So today I have a very special guest live in person. I can't even say in studio. I don't really have a studio, but it's a it's my first reoccurring guest star, I guess, would be a good way of describing who this person is, who got a lot of good feedback uh, last time that they were on the program. And he always likes being called a friend of the show because he is. And it's also an homage to one of the one of the things that we used to listen to uh, on the radio when, when I was growing up. So friend of the show, first fan of the show. It's the man, the myth, the legend. It's my dad. Pa Dad's back. Hi, Dad. Hello. Thank you for inviting me again for a repeat. How was your week this week? Um, busy and warm. My dad still lives in the Southwest, the state that I was born and raised in. I'm an ASU Sun Devil, so put together the dots. We are in the armpit that is Arizona. <laughs> it's a warm armpit. It's kind of it's kind of sweaty out. Um, apparently, it's a cool down. I think it's about 105. I know it's 105 in Gilbert. One of my friends just messaged me and said, look at how hot it is. It's a cool down. I think it's 109. Right I think now. it's 109, yeah. It's pretty toasty out there. Uh, for our international people, that's about 41 degrees Celsius, I think. Celsius. Yeah, so it's a scorcher out there. It's a, it's a bloody ripper, as I think they say in Australia. Or that's what they called me when I was down there. So yeah, it's been a toasty week out here, hasn't it? Yes, very much so. We're going through a mini heat stage. But we're both hydrated right now, so don't worry about us. Um, my dad has, how many ounces of water is that? 32. No, it's not. Is it? It's 30.4. You're off by 1.6. Pardon me. Oh. <laughs> so, no, but he's hydrated. I have um, a cup of hot tea um, because that's what you drink on a hot day. Not iced tea, apparently. Um, so, uh, my, my dad is not only here just for me to make small talk. Um, we're we're going to talk about something that happened to him about a year ago. Um we talked about last time we were together, we talked about maybe doing a follow-up episode regarding a few different things. Um, this one is going to be, a, I don't know if I could say lighthearted, but it's definitely not going to be necessarily the same subject matter that we were talking about your first time around, which is where, uh, the Mother's Day episode. If you haven't listened to that, please feel free to listen to it. Um, that's when my dad made his first appearance, but I've been told it's a pretty heavy, emotionally heavy episode. Um, people who have listened to it have loved you. Um, they said that host though, we can do without, but your dad is great. So <laughs> no, you got a lot of good, you got amazing feedback. Everybody loves you. Um, somebody asked me for a paella recipe too. So <laughs> I'm pretty sure I can't disclose that. Family secret. That's a family secret. It is. I'm sorry guys. Uh, but this time around, we're going to talk about something actually, um, that I had to, look up and research more of when it happened to you uh, last year. We're going to talk about um, E. coli, which is short for um, a word that I still run into trouble saying. So I'm just going to call it E. coli. It's got a nice, fancy, long, <laughs> long first name that you can YouTube and figure out how to pronounce. Escherichia coli or coli. E. coli, we hear about a lot during the summer months, I feel like, especially at least out in Arizona. We always would hear about how they had to close down water parks and slides um, because there was an E. coli outbreak. And it's the name of a bacteria that lives in the GI tract and the intestines of healthy people as well as animals. 
And the thing is, E. coli is the name of this bacteria, but there's multiple forms of it. So most E. coli is pretty harmless. It doesn't hurt healthy adults for the most part. If it does irritate people's uh, intestines, usually they only have a brief bout of diarrhea for the most part, little intestinal distress, which is, by the way, one of my favorite words to say to people. Instead of diarrhea, you just call it intestinal distress. (laughs) Like, my intestines are seriously in a state of distress. So I used that one time when I was late to work. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to be late to work. I'm having intestinal distress. And the charge nurse was like, take all the time you need. <laughs> Good. Uh, we can we can hold it down for another 15 minutes. Just drive safe. E. coli is a little bit insidious. There are a few different versions of the bacteria, a few different classifications of it that can cause severe abdominal cramping, bloody diarrhea, and vomiting. And that can lead to a state of dehydration. And dehydration can mean death for some people. You can become exposed to E. coli through contaminated water or food, especially with like raw, raw food or undercooked food. Again, most people who get it have like diarrhea, or if they do have something pop up, they usually recover within about a week, week and a half. But usually it's younger kids and older adults that you start to worry about that sort of dehydration. And for some people, they could even risk developing a life-threatening form of kidney failure. And that is something that you need to have medical attention immediately when that starts to develop. I alluded to it before, but actually, Dad, you had... E. coli last year, and it was not the type that was harmless by any means. It was in the it was the summer of last year, right? Uh, yeah. I ended up with the form that basically I had many of the symptoms that you just mentioned. Once I found out what it was, I had E. coli, I had dehydration, I had blood poisoning, I had pneumonia, I had a kidney infection. Yeah, so... Uh, One of the things I didn't mention, but I will now, is that certain types of E. coli can get from a person's intestines into the blood. And whenever you start talking about blood poisoning, that's scary. Yes. So what did it, how did it start and when, how did it progress? Because at the time I was on assignment in the Pacific Northwest. um, So we were separated by thousands of miles per usual. As you know, I, I I try to work out just about every morning. That week, I had been working out uh, every day, but I normally do it early morning. This one day, I did it in the evening, and uh, it was a good workout. I got home, I took a shower, and it's one of those things. I was feeling very strong, and um, after I took the shower, it just seemed like every ounce of strength and energy that I had totally drained me. I literally had to sit down. I started getting a little dizzy. I thought, oh, this isn't right. I believe I text you. Did you? I I think so. Uh, I recall discussing with you that I wasn't feeling good, and you said, well, maybe you should go to the emergency room. And I said, well, I've got a doctor's appointment in the morning at 8 o'clock. I do remember that, yeah. And I said, okay, well, if it gets worse, go to the ER. Right. But if not... Please tell your doctor. Right. So I went through the night, and and it was just terrible. I almost did go to an urgent care, but I got I started drinking a lot of water. I felt a little better, 
But I knew that I had that appointment scheduled, so I made it through the night all right. Walked into the doctor's office the next day, and the nurse looked at me and said, have a seat, be right back. And she came out with the doctor, and the doctor said, you need to go straight to the emergency room. said, I've already called over there. I faxed your information there, and uh, you need to go right now. So I did. They Once I went in, they started doing running all the tests, went through a lot of things. And finally, uh, they said, you, you're, you're not doing well. These are the things that we're, we're coming up with, so uh, we have to start giving you different types of things and hang in there with us. Any one of these things could possibly kill you. Those were the terms that they used. And so we're going to have to get aggressive in our treatment of you right now. That started the whole process. With your E. coli, do you know what kind it was? Did they ever tell you? Like, how did they come They to may have, but, but I can't recall. I, I mean, I look, I'll look at the well, I mean, there's, medical records. That's true. But, I mean, there's E. coli is, like, such a broad term for that actual right. bacteria. And, I, and like I said, I mean, yeah. it, it's actually an important part of a healthy human GI tract. Right. So, I mean, you... I, I always remember hearing about E. coli in um, food recalls when they're like, right. a bad batch went out. I think that was not too long ago that they had a pretty bad E. coli scare with um, lettuce. lettuce. Romaine lettuce. Yeah. Right. And people were just like, the restaurants weren't using it. Right. Um, you know, it wasn't in supermarkets. You, If you were on Facebook and you had that fun video from Tasty about the lettuce wrap tacos that used romaine, you were like, mm, maybe not today for Taco Tuesday, right. which by the way, proper tacos are corn tortillas. You can't, Correct. yeah, you can't <laughs> replace it with the romaine lettuce. <laughs> Must be corn. Yeah. And especially here in our area, uh, a lot of times. We have some of the best environments for growing lettuce. Right. Arizona is yeah. one of the Southern biggest exporters. Southern Arizona, uh, specifically the Yuma area. As they say, feed the nation in the wintertime. But a lot of time, the workers there, and I guess it's a hygiene aspect to it, and uh, that's that always comes out when they have outbreaks like that sometimes. And the restaurants and things like that, it's a, it's a, it's a huge... I asked, how did I get this? And, yeah. and i never forget him saying, he says it's lifestyle. It says it goes all over the place. I was wondering what that meant. <laughs> and yeah, it, it was not a pleasant time for that. I think I was in the hospital for, I think, seven days. You know, before we recorded, I remember you. we were talking about it, and I remember yeah. you did call me. I don't think you texted me. That's why I was on yeah. text. That's what I did. I, yeah, I no, you actually, you're right. you called me, right. and you said that you felt super run down, and, you, and you knew it wasn't from your work that workout. It was just like all of a sudden... You just did not feel good. And that, you know, you were like, oh, I know I've been working, not just working out, but at work, you've been working mm -hmm. hard on like a project or something, yeah. but you just became concerned. And usually you're pretty good about sort of that, like, I'll text you if I need to know something, right. but if I'm calling you, there's something I need to talk to you about that's important. And I just remember in your voice, it just didn't sound strong. Like even your voice sounded like it was fatigued. Yeah. So... And it wasn't like when people lose their voice in their horse, it just sounded like you were just tired all over. I know. It was, and when it I, was hard I never, to lift my arms. Well, and I never told you this, but when I got off the phone with you, I mean, I just, I immediately called one of my friends who, you know, um, 
asking them just in case, like, can you, if I ask you to, can you go and check on my dad? So you um, told me that later. Oh, uh, I I did tell you that. Sorry. But I mean, I told you after that, after you were better. But yeah, no, I, I was worried because just, you've never sounded like that. Right. That scared me. But actually I was looking up right now. You're right with food preparation is a big part of how E. coli goes from being harmless to being something that is contaminated throughout a country. So if anybody out there is a fan of Chipotle, I know I, I don't mind Chipotle. It was, what, 2015, 2016 that they had that E. coli... Oh, 2015. There was an E. coli outbreak that they attributed to cilantro. And I remember the whole thing about how they had to reteach their staff throughout the country. Fruit prep, handling things, hygiene. Then they did that whole promotion sort of to earn back business. Right. And they sort of came back from it. But I think actually August of this year... During, I think right around National Avocado Day, they ended up having a report of food poisoning in one of their restaurants. And that kind of like plummeted their stock a little bit because it was like, come on, guys, you've had like about two and a half, three years to get better. And, you know, obviously food preparation wasn't maybe necessarily the best it could have been. In 2015, it says on here, in 2015, Chipotle's business nearly dried up after their E. coli outbreak that spanned over 11 states, and it led to the company to undertake a chain-wide safety retraining in early 2016 that closed all of its 2,000 stores for a day. And I totally remember that because everyone was freaking out about what would they do for lunch. But, I mean, that's how important it was for them to make sure everyone was on the same level. And then for it to come back two years later that somebody had food poisoning... I mean, we are human, so, you know, preparation. Well, actually, no, I'm going to take that back. We are human, but we should also know that you wash your hands when you're at work. Being a nurse, I wash my hands constantly before I get into a patient's room, after you're leaving a patient's room, and then as needed, depending on what you're doing throughout your day and to take care of patients. So in my line of work in healthcare, washing your hands is number one on how you prevent infections from spreading. It's One of the biggest things that they do in nursing school is you have to actually wash your hands on video and they will grade you. So you actually have to demonstrate the proper way to wash your hands. That is an actual graded part of nursing school. That and donning sterile gloves. So again, we try and make sure that everybody knows from the beginning how to do infection uh, control and and management. Uh, However... Sometimes things happen. And I think you said later on that if you look back on it, you might have just like cooked something like a little bit wrong with the beef you had. Yeah. Because it wasn't like there was an outbreak. Like you weren't the victim of an outbreak. They do happen. It's the same with salmonella. But you said that you said that it might have been on you where you just might have incorrectly prepared the food and then cooked that incorrectly prepped food. Which doesn't happen to you too often because right. you are like, you. I always say you should belong on Food Network. And you always say, <laughs> no, I belong on Top Chef. So, uh, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Agree to disagree. But, I mean, you're really good with your prep. But I think you yeah. were, you said to me that you just have been run down anyways by work and you might have just taken a shortcut that one time. Yep. And then it just kind of backfired on you. I think so. Because 
you're right. I I'm a little obsessive about clean workspaces. Yeah. You you have instilled it so much in me that I will go to a friend's cookout and like take over on certain stuff because I'm like, you just cross contaminated all of these spaces. Now right. we got to wipe it down because you put the raw chicken over here. Right. Then you went and you touched it with your hands. You touched raw chicken with your hands. Then you went over here and touched the vegetables. You can't just do that. You have to like keep it devoted to one spot. When you're done with it, you wash your hands and then you can go and move on to the next spot. And that can't be like, so like, I get, people don't invite me to cook out sometimes until after, <laughs> like after the food's made so that I just don't, I guess, freak out about food prep. But honestly, it's stuff you should know. Right. I mean, you don't want to, you don't want people to contaminate their workspaces when you're going out to a restaurant. When you go out to eat, you're expecting the staff to, you know, not poison your family. It's something that most people strive for. Um, and it's something that, you know, at home, I think maybe maybe people take it for granted because when you're cooking at home and it's just you yeah, and it's not even your family, you're kind of like, eh, maybe I can skip that food prep state, uh, step. And, yeah. and you said that, no, that might have just kind of bit you. Right. In the end. I, I, and I still believe that's probably the case. But the severity of what happened as one went after another was just. Yeah, like, go into that a little bit. Like, what sometimes were you I think. With? Well, a lot of times it's age related. As you mentioned before, young children and seniors are affected more so than, than the other groups inside. But everything just started. And it was like, oh, my gosh. And the doctor said, if you weren't in such good shape, we would, uh, you know, you could have possibly uh, passed away from any one of those those things. Uh, but they were so great. So what did they do to help you? I mean, did you, were you on, do you remember, were you on antibiotics? Yeah. One side I would have had antibiotics. I had the Well, you had cooking. pneumonia. Yeah. So you had pneumonia. But I had, I had had a pneumonia shot prior to that. Anyway, before I traveled to Cuba, and um, by the way, my dad is an international sensation. <laughs> he's better than Pitbull. He's Mr. Worldwide, but yeah. Mr. Three Hundred Five. No, <laughs> that shot I think it had a lot to do with lessening the effects of uh, the pneumonia. For, uh, I piece. guess. I mean, you uh, have antibodies that are right. Kind of maybe helping to. Dampen some things. That I mean, it's, that, yeah. it's not it's certainly not implausible to be like, oh, that can't be right because yeah. why not? You know, if it's well, in your reason, bloodstream. Yeah, they ran me through the mill on that, loaded me up on one side, and they got you hydration because that's the yeah. one thing too. Because yeah. my potassium count was you were tanked. So, yeah. I mean, without getting into too much of the logistics, you told me your potassium. Right. I told my friend and said, I don't know how my dad is still talking to me. Like, that's yeah. how bad that's your potassium was. Says, I've never saw one that low. On a person that was conscious. Conscious, right? Yeah. So, yeah, that's exactly and I told you that too. And you were like, oh, well, I knew I felt bad. And I was <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that's kind of bad. And then, you know, we were talking about how severe abdominal cramps, Severe right. diarrhea, right. dehydration goes hand in hand with it, but nausea too. Nausea, yeah. yeah. So I know that they did a lot of 
rehydration through right. IVs. Yeah. They did antibiotics, a few courses of those. Right. Electrolyte replacement mm. for your potassium and a few other things that were low on you. Right. And then getting you up and actually having you move. Move, right. It was yeah. a big thing, That too. was easy because I didn't like laying in the bed anyway. Which is like, that makes you an ideal patient right. because that's a person. So whenever, just sort of, you know, something that you gain from working in the hospital is people that want to get out of bed when they're hospitalized have usually, usually a good prognosis. I saw it on the, when I used to work uh, in orthopedics on the orthopedic floor, the people who got out of bed and did their PT and OT while they were in the hospital usually went home either on time or even a day early. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it goes also when you're admitted to intensive cares or step-down units or anything to that degree that if you want to be active, that goes a long way in your recovery. And that's right. something that at least, you know, from the, the team aspect of taking care of a patient, when you have that patient that is very much like, I'm going to get out of this bed because I want to go home you can be like, all right, here's the safe way to do it. And and you work together and that person has a very good likelihood of going home. And it literally made me feel better that I could go down the halls and I got my stands. You're <laughs> double fisting the IV pulls. As I'm, I'm going down that. It's funny because all the staff, they're, they're, they're smiling and I, going around circles all the way. And I kept going and kept going. Finally, I said, oh, that's enough. <laughs> We get it. You want to leave, sir. Yeah, right, yeah. But it was uh, it was important to do that. I felt the energy aspect. So you felt your energy coming back. Yeah. While you were in the hospital, right? Did you feel ready to go home when it was time to go home? Like, did you feel? Yeah, I I did. I like how much when you came into the hospital, you were probably at like ten percent. Yeah. When you were discharged, where would you say you are on your health meter? Seventy. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, you yeah, still yeah, were. Yeah. You still were probably yeah. pretty weak and tired. I, I was more tired than anything because, but I don't know, most people, but they don't sleep well in the hospital because they work, they wake you up every 15 minutes to take blood or do a run a test or two on you all the time. So You're right. I mean, the hospital is not the most, the hospital is no uh, La Quinta. No. Not at all. It's not even a motel sense. It, it, <laughs> it might be a yucca. It might be like a <laughs> like a yucca motel off of like Route sixty six with one car. But you think? I mean, that's where all the sick people are at. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's right. It's, I mean, it's you know, depending on your situation. Yeah. Sometimes people have to have a shared room. So even if they're resting, their roommate might need help. So I was lucky. I I did have the, the private room. That but, is nice, but. I don't know. I it's not a place like that. I, I I like being there. Well, and it was hard because, you know, I was thousands, about a thousand or so miles away, right. and in our immediate family, I'm I guess the medical one. No, I am the medical you one. You are the medical. I'm not. I'm, there's no guessing. I am. So I was trying as best as I could to get updates without pushing too much because I did want you to rest, but I also knew that, you know, I would be the one deciphering stuff too for the family, which is fine. Like I try and help out as much as I can within what I got. I don't know. Uh, It was kind of like that feeling of helplessness because I knew you were really bad initially. But then when I heard that 
you were getting the fluids that they found out that it was E. coli, yeah. that there was a treatment thing. I definitely could like take that exhale uh, from the breath I'd been holding because I thought at first, like, well, was he going to be in ICU? I mean, I was, I was looking up flights because yeah. I, I was seeing if maybe my friends, like my friends were involved too at work. They're like, do you need me to take you somewhere? Do you need a ride yeah. back down there? My friend is flying out on this day. Maybe we can get like a deal or something. Right. Because if you were going to be in the ICU, I mean, your family comes first. My yeah. job will be there. My job will understand I was going to fly down to be with my family because you just, you yeah. didn't sound like yourself. And then when I heard you were in the ER and then I didn't hear any updates. And then like you told me something about potassium and they were going back and forth on whether or not you needed to be monitored closely in the intensive care unit. Right. Or not, if you could just be monitored on a telemetry unit and just wear the heart monitor, which is what I was pulling for. If you were going to be yeah. in the ICU, I was going to start making plans to go down there, or at least getting somebody to go down and be with you that right. I knew. So, Well, one of the docs on my team, uh, the infectious disease person, and he mentioned the fact that if the counts weren't changing, they were going to put me in ICU. Right. <laughs> and... I think I, I don't know, I didn't tell you directly, but I told someone to tell you that in the next, I don't know, 24 hours or something like that, we're going to know if I go to ICU. But the counts in, improved. So. Yeah, and I mean, I wasn't going to like, it's not like a thing where, you know, it was a situation like what happened with mom. Like you weren't oh, no. intubated or anything. You just needed closer monitoring. Right. But I was just making plans in my head. Maybe I can switch shifts with people so I can fly down there for like four or five days and then come back and work. Like I knew at some point now that we had like a diagnosis and there was a plan in place, mm -hmm. you were going to be okay. Like I felt that, mm -hmm. but I just didn't know if you would need more help. And if I could come down there and help, I would. But then I realized something and this is what kind of got me to like that point of, when I, like, knew about the diagnosis and everything, I knew, like, everything was going to be okay. <laughs> I mean, not to be like, I know everything, but I I knew you were, you had a plan. Um, it was a lot different than with mom where people, we were just scrambling to find an answer. Right. And we were just putting Band-Aids literally over cancer. Yeah. With you, it was like, oh, he has E. coli? Cool. We can treat that. Oh, now he has a pneumonia? Okay, we can treat that. It was a lot of bad stuff all at once yeah. for you. Yeah, it was. But there were treatments to it, and you got to that, be discharged. That was, and that was correct, yeah. Uh, that was a good part about it, was that there was. Um, there was a diagnosis, there was a treatment. But how did you feel afterwards? I know that it took you a while Drain. to get back to that 100%. You were hanging out at 70% for yeah, a while. For a while. After you'd been and, discharged. Yeah, and I had to, I had to go... Every Saturday morning, get my blood checked, do some dietary things, and some medication things that, in regards to getting my potassium levels elevated and maintained. And it took a while. Yeah. It took you a few months. Yeah. To feel back to 100%. The good thing about all that is that I, now I really know the signs. <laughs> I know when I'm dehydrated. I know what to do. I know how to beat getting to the point where I lose the energy levels and I instantly make correction. It was lesson learned, that's for sure. I would say that for the most part, it's not a contagious bacteria. No. There's so many, 
like I said, it's a, it's such a large and diverse group of bacteria that actually is E. coli and the different types of it. Right. So for some people, it actually can cause urinary tract infections. So sometimes in the hospital, we've actually seen people come in with UTIs and they have E. coli and they're like, right. what? Right. So, I mean, that's how diverse it can be with that bacteria group. But it is a matter of, of self-monitoring. I, that's when I start constantly wearing my Fitbit and toning in and looking at my chart on my uh, laptop and with my sleep number bed. And, and all those things I start tying into my lifestyle. And what and it altered. It totally did. So I have my numbers and I know them. And I watch them constantly, and I have my reminders going on. And in a strange way, it really helped me have better workouts, better lifestyle, and knowing how to deal with everything as it comes at you. Because when all of it kind of crashes on you, you either learn the lesson or, or, or you're going to face some serious consequences. The one thing that I would want to do just so that people know is that you you can take steps to prevent and minimize your chances of getting E. coli. So, you know, we talked about it before, but I'll read it from straight from the CDC's website so you know it's supposedly accurate. I don't know. Sometimes the CDC, bless their heart. I mean, flu season's coming up. I am a proponent of choosing your own way in terms of flu prevention. Definitely wash your hands when it comes to the vaccine. Maybe that's another topic for another show. But... The CDC, bless its heart, it tries. But it does have really good information about a lot of diseases. And you would hope it's the Center for Disease Control. So straight from their website under their E. coli page, which I will also get a link to uh, on the show notes, how can you prevent developing E. coli? One of the biggest things, and we'll go through a few of these right here, is knowing your chances of actually getting food poisoning. So we talked about it before. People with higher chances for developing illnesses from things that are foodborne are pregnant women, newborns, children, older adults, people with weakened immune systems, and that can include people who have HIV or cancers or autoimmune diseases. That puts them predisposed to developing E. coli that is more harmful if they were to get in contact with underprepared food. So, uh, or drinking something that, like a, a water that is contaminated as well. Practicing proper hygiene, especially good hand washing. And I talked about it before, but I mean, that is one of the biggest things that we can do for containing infection is to wash your hands. Do you remember, and this is definitely specific to Arizona, but do you remember the Wallace and Ladmo song, um, the wash your hands? The wash your hands. Wash your hands after going to the bathroom. Right. It was more for hepatitis. He's singing it right now. <laughs> but um, they they made this song for hepatitis. They sang on the Wallace and Ladmo show. So if any of you know that reference, <laughs> we are all dating ourselves. Yeah. It's, I'll try and find a link to it. If I could find a link to that oh, song, yeah. that would be good. Um, yeah. But it talks about, you know, it's this little jingle and hepatitis was pretty, pretty prevalent. I think it was more hep A. That's something that, you know, is directly attributed to poor hand washing and it talked about washing your hands after going to the bathroom washing your hands after changing babies because um, they don't want to spread hepatitis and they don't want it to catch you who you so again those principles of good hand washing washing your hands before and after you prepare or 
eat food, washing your hands after coming into contact with animals or their environment. So at farms, petting zoos, state fairs, even within your own backyard, make sure you're washing your hands, washing your hands thoroughly after preparing and feeding bottles or foods to infants or toddlers before you're touching the pacifiers or any other items that might go into that child's mouth, keeping all objects that enter a child's mouth clean. And then for some people, they go, well, you know, if a bathroom isn't readily available, can I use hand sanitizer? So you can use alcohol-based hand sanitizer with at least 60% alcohol and make sure you're checking those labels. And these can quickly reduce the number of germs on your hands in some situations, but they're no substitute for washing with soap and running water. So they're a good little in between until you can get to a place where you can actually wash your hands. So, and and actually in the hospital too, you might see people um, and they say foam in, foam out. So sometimes they'll do hand sanitizer into a patient's room, hand sanitizer out. So sometimes you do that real quick if you're just going into a patient's room to adjust something. Even if it's the monitors, you still have patient care. So you always kind of foam in, foam out. But they've shown that you can only do that so many times in a row before you need to wash your hands anyways. So sometimes people will foam in and then wash their hands on the way out. So again, it's it's all about washing your hands. At the end of the day, try and wash your hands immediately. If you only have hand sanitizer for the interim, that's fine as long as it has at least 60% alcohol. And then try and get to a place where you can wash your hands. So that helps to minimize the chances of getting E. coli. You want to follow the four steps of food safety when preparing food, which is what? What is it, Dad? What do you think the four steps of food safety are? You want to clean your food. You have to wash. Yeah. Don't mix your food. Right. You want to separate it. To beat cross-contamination. Yep. You have to wash your hands at least. Was it 15 seconds or something? Right. You want to aggressively actually cause friction, Friction, not just put them under the the water. And bottom and side of the the ankles. The ankles? I mean, the wrist. (laughs) You're going to take a whole bath. Ankles, you have to have a bath. Here, I can bail you out. Okay. So the four steps of food safety you write are to clean, separate, cook, and then chill. So you do want to properly refrigerate foods in a timely manner to prevent temperatures are crucial crucial you know i was at a cooking demonstration a few months ago and they told us that the reason why food spoils sometimes when you leave it out isn't necessarily like mayonnaise doesn't ruin everything and it's not necessarily the dairy part i mean that that does spoil out in the sun but they said that grains sometimes will be the thing that turns right and that can actually cause a food to spoil, right. even if you think that it's okay out on room temperature. So that's, right. yeah. they had told us, they were like, make sure you're refrigerating things in your ice packs and your coolers, because right. things that you think might be able to tolerate temperatures won't. And that's how bacteria grows. And that's how you can get really bad infections. So you want to do that. The four steps of food safety, again, clean, separate, cook, and chill. That sounds like something that I can use like as a wrap thing, like right, clean, separate, cook, and chill. Yeah. Chill out. Okay. Uh, wash your fruits and vegetables well under running water. Unless the package says that the contents have already been washed, it says on the CDC website. I know some people don't believe that they've been washed. So if that is your thing to double wash, I'm sure nobody will object if you wash your fruits and vegetables under running water again. 
So, in fact, you might want to. I mean, especially if they come from out of state somewhere. Sometimes, you don't yeah. Know what type of water is that? That's yeah. true. He has a good point. I mean, don't forget Flint. <laughs> yes. So, without getting too Flint. <laughs> oh, I can't even tell you what my dad just did. But he, we don't forget Flint in this house. Anyways, cook the meats thoroughly. You want to make sure, like you said, that you're cooking things temperature appropriate. Correct. One of the biggest things in a chef's or a cook's arsenal is their meat thermometer. Yes. So know the temperatures. On a lot of those meat thermometers, it tells you too. Right. And they're not that expensive. No. You can you, you can little... you can get the little little one and it'll still tell you. Right. You don't need the fancy computerized one. Although it is nice, but know the temperatures that you need to cook foods. Chicken tartare is not a meal, no matter what your friend might tell you. Do not eat it. Make them cook that chicken all the way through. So uh, again, don't cross-contaminate in food prep areas. You want to wash your hands, counters, surfaces, cutting boards, utensils after they touch raw meat. You want to make sure they're sterilized and that they're not coming into contact with other things. That's how you can slow down and or prevent infection from spreading. And then you want to, this is a little controversial, I know, for some people, but I'm going to say it. This is from the CDC. Avoid raw milk, unpasteurized dairy products, and unpasteurized juices, such as fresh apple cider. So I know some people out there say that raw milk and raw juices and unpasteurized products taste better and they're better for you and they're better for your body. And to that I say, how many people died before pasteurization? Hmm? Just saying. Okay. And then don't swallow water when swimming and when playing in lakes, ponds, streams, swimming pools, or the backyard little kiddie pools. You said it before. You don't know where some water's been. It's even It even says in there, you know, swimming pools. You don't know what's going on in that pool. If I would not want to swim in that pool. Right. It's not properly maintained. So, you know, the same sort of principles apply you don't want to swallow that water when you're swimming. I mean, you try not to swallow water anyways when you're swimming. I'm pretty sure that that means that you're kind of drowning. So that's not good. I, I know it inadvertently happens. You know, sometimes it does. But just don't try to intentionally do it or take big gulps if you can. Watch your kiddos. Make sure that they're not accidentally taking gulps of it either. Especially if you're playing with other kids. I mean, that's how sort of things spread is that, you know, you don't know who's going to be using that water as a bathroom or something to that effect. Um, so um, just just be aware of that. And if you're camping or something, there's a, a few general rules of thumb that you use in terms of filtration and uh, where you set up camps and how far away you are from water sources so as not to contaminate them. So make sure that you understand those principles so you don't contaminate the water source for other people. And that's kind of what the CDC tells people in terms of prevention for developing foodborne illnesses and and especially E. coli. Laura, do you have anything to add? Only that if you don't do some of those things, E. coli can be dangerous. It can be deadly. I mean, it can shut down your kidneys, yeah. lead to multiple organ failure, yep. and unfortunately cause death. Yeah. Yeah. And you came close. I mean, I you did. were... <laughs> Unfortunately, but yeah. yes, I did. Um, and when honestly, when we heard it, when I heard it was E. coli, I was like, "What? Yeah. <laughs> what could he? Because you make all of your own meals, so right. for the most part, I was like, well, what? What could he have eaten that 
wasn't prepared right. And then when you said that you might have just taken a shortcut unintentionally and that might have led to it, I was like, okay, well, that would make sense. And then just going back into this, you know, definitely contact healthcare provider, your doctor, if you do have any signs of E. coli, especially that stomach pain, that lasting for more than a few days, severe diarrhea. If there's ever blood in your stool, you need to go see a doctor. You need to see them immediately. Um, If you have weakness and dizziness along with it, maybe bypass your doctor and go straight to the ER. Because you need to have medical attention rather promptly because blood does not belong in those areas. Blood belongs inside you. Um, Not outside of you for the most part. Yeah. Um, And again, you know, it can lead to dehydration. So parents need to look out and see if kids are maybe peeing less than usual or if they if their kiddos might appear kind of pale. They're just really tired. They seem to be lethargic out of it. Also goes towards your loved ones and older adults if that's happening, like in your case where you were having that dizziness and run down feeling. You know, it, it could it's not it's not like we're gonna be like, oh, it's definitely E. coli, but I mean, if you sort of think about have I been somewhere lately where my kids been swimming somewhere, or have I eaten somewhere new or if you watch the reports, have I had that lettuce? Have I had that meat that is being recalled? Right. Is there a possibility? And now I feel this way. And it says in here that for some people, it could take one to 10 days for those symptoms to appear. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, don't think that because it's day three and you're feeling kind of run down, oh, it should be out of my system. It could take seven to 10 days for things to, yeah. to run their course. So you can still absolutely have the type of E. coli that is spread by something contaminated. Yeah. I think it all goes back to, you know, hand washing just helps you with really cutting down on not just E. coli, but a lot of diseases being transferred and transmitted. It's huge. It's huge. We harp on it a lot in the, the hospital healthcare, but there's good reasons behind it. Right. <laughs> I think. So what would be your takeaway you want people to have from that? Wash your hands. <laughs> Set you up for that one. No, it, it it's crucial to do those, those things. I mean, I've added it to again my gym work as I talk about that a lot. But before I do it, after after that, I do, and I try to go in between what equipment I'm working with. All those sort of things. those hygiene pieces will help you lessen or if not avoid the possibility of you contacting something. Yeah, that's definitely true for viruses. And I think like for E. coli's sake, you know, you you just want to make sure that you're preparing and cleaning and mm-hmm. washing your foods and yep. vegetables appropriately. Because yeah. that's more of a foodborne yeah. illness that happens and kind of revs up everything in your gut on right. overdrive. So definitely watch how you prepare your food, teach your family how to prepare food safely and correctly, and read up on restaurants. Read up on them if they have uh, the health department, if they have a history of it, where they have food that has not been left out. Yeah, and they'll tell you that. And just watch out at buffets. I feel like buffets are like a hotbed of a lot of infections. And I say that coming back from Vegas and eating at a few buffets that... It's easy to see why 
infections can be spread there. I mean, a sneeze guard is only as good as the person, how tall a person is. So um, <laughs> you just watch out. Make sure, again, you're practicing good hand hygiene and, and infection control in that sense and hand washing. Okay, well, then maybe we can close. What's your sports prediction for tonight? Will ASU win? Go Devils. <laughs> Will they win tonight? Um. Yes. There you go. That's straight from my dad's mouth. Thanks for being here. You bet. Even though it's like you're always here. (laughs) I am. (laughs) He's always there. He's a good dad. And uh, happy early birthday. That might be coming out on your birthday because I don't know necessarily when I release episodes. So I hope your birthday is great. And I'm glad you're here for another year. Me too. Yes. Thank you. So. E. coli, kids, you don't want it. Make sure you wash your hands, wash your food. And continue to listen to People Are Wild. There you go. You heard it. My dad said so. See you next week, everyone. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Morty. Morty. No, uh, I don't have much time. Oh, stop. Wh- what? Look, I know you're in EMT school now. Yeah. But yeah. you need to listen to this podcast. It's called 10-7 Off-Duty. Is it informational? No, it's... It has a medic on it, but it's not really informational. It it does have some. Oh, okay, Uncle Ta- Rick. Talks about some good stuff, but it's mostly just funny. Just just listen to it. Oh, just oh, Marty, right, just Uncle listen. Rick. Okay. Oh, right. okay. Hello, you beautiful people. This is Andrew Straley, EMTP from Ten Seven Off Duty Podcast, your weekly EMS related comedy podcast. My co-host and I hope you enjoy what we do and continue to listen on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere else you can find this podcast. And please rate and comment wherever you can. Uh, please continue to like and share on Facebook and Twitter at Ten Seven Off Duty. If you have any questions for us, get a hold of us at 107offduty at gmail.com. If you like what we're doing, we do have extra content on Patreon at patreon.com backslash offduty. Kick us a buck, five bucks, whatever you want to do. And we hope to see you guys soon. Bye.